Welcome to the Gathering at Adel. Today's message is from the Gospel of Matthew. We'll look at Matthew chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 11. The temptation of Jesus is what it's titled in, in my Bible. It's probably titled that in yours. We're going to look at the temptation of Jesus and what keys can we take out of there and apply to our lives I know for me, one, one thing that I struggled with in high school when you talk about being tempted was cussing. I mean, man, there was something about me being in high school around a bunch of guys that are a bunch of morons most of the time with no self-control trying to one-up one another. But I can remember it was something that really struggled with. And I mean, I can remember like, I, I said the prayer, I was baptized, I was what most of the world would consider a Christian. I went to church, but really there was no relationship with Jesus, and so it was just kind of like this constant struggle of my language. Uh, I can remember, uh, it, got, it got to the point, me and my best friend in high school, his name was, is Fred. It, it is actually Eddie, but his nickname was Fred. I'm not real sure why. And still to this day, if Fred sees me, he will not call me Jeff. He will call me Rick. I don't know why. That's just what we went with. Once again, high school boys, most of the time morons. But me and Rick, or me and Fred, would, uh, we made a pact one day where we said, all right, I tell you what, we got to quit cussing. This is ridiculous. We're better than this. And so we made a pact that said, hey, if you hear me cuss, you can punch me, right? And so it, it was pretty good. I mean, we were, it will really curb it at first, you know? I mean, I can remember like, which normally after the punch, it kind of led to another word being said, which led to another punch. It, it did not, we didn't think that one through real well, but eventually it got to where it's like, okay, we've got to get better at this. This is ridiculous. If you hear me say a cuss word, I give you permission to punch me. And he goes, same here. I was like, awesome. Okay. And it worked well, except I noticed me and Fred quit spending so much time around each other, right? Like, with each other, we're like, hey, we're not cussing all. He's like, you're doing good? I'm like, yeah, doing great. And then you get with other friends and it's like letting it all rip. You're like, man, this, it did not work. We're all tempted in so many ways. And I, I can remember being frustrated by the fact of, I know that's not what the Lord has for me, but I have no way. I, I, I felt like there was nothing in me that would ever be able to stop cussing. I graduated high school. I'm Kind of so bounce around several colleges. If you ever want to hear that story, it's a pretty funny, not funny to my dad, funny story <laughs> about that time in my life. But even then at that point, uh, started going to church, gave my life to the Lord for real that time, met my girlfriend, fiance, wife, right? But at the time she was my girlfriend and she she had a very strict no cussing policy. And so I had to curb that really quickly. Marriage is a bigger motivator than getting punched to stop cussing. But, you know, like all of a sudden you realize, okay, wait a minute. I've got to, I've got to stop this. I'm being tempted. This is not right. This is not acceptable to be in the Lord, to be of the Lord, to be a Christ follower. And, and all of a sudden, and I wish I could tell you like there was this magical moment where all of a sudden it was like, 
ha, huh, I quit cussing. The Lord came down and I, but it was just this gradual process of being comfortable with who I am, of having self-control by being filled with the Holy Spirit because he's the one that gives us self-control. It's a fruit of being filled with the Spirit. All of a sudden, I begin to put the word of God in my mouth, begin to read it, meditate on it, memorize it. And all of a sudden, cussing ceases to exist in my life. There is a very, very limited number of people, and that, that's been about 20 years. There's a very limited number of people that ever ever heard me from that point on say a cuss word. There's something that happens when all of a sudden the temptation, the allure, the we think that it makes stories funnier, right? When we cuss, you're like, hey, we'll throw it, and you're like, and people laugh, and all of a sudden when the allure and the shininess of it wears off, you're like, that's just gross. You know, like you hear it, you hear it, like now I'll hear that word like in a movie, and I'm like, I'm not like, oh, that's funny the way he said that. You're just like, man, that's so gross. When you get set free from something, and all of a sudden you see it, in another light, and, and, and on someone else, have you ever noticed, like on you it's shiny, but on someone else it's gross? <laughs> have y'all noticed that about sin? And you see it once you've been set free from it, and you see it on someone else, and you're like, man, that's just, that's gross. You know, we all struggle with temptations. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus, but we're all tempted, and maybe yours is to cuss, to lie, to steal, to cheat, or when you're around someone and, and you let something slip by or you let anger and rage control your life. We all deal with temptations in different ways. And so I do have a video. Don't worry. It's families are in here. It's clean about temptation. Clinton, do you know how to play that? I forgot to like preface you on this. Do you want candy? Okay. Wait until mommy comes back. Okay. Don't touch it yet. Wait until mommy comes back and then you can have candy. Okay. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Don't eat it until mommy comes back. Okay. Mommy? Mommy? Mm, okay. Uh. <laughs> Did you eat any? There's more now. There's more? You want some candy, baby? Yeah? Okay. So dad's gonna put the candy right here, okay? But you can't eat any until I get back. I have to go do something really quick, okay? Okay, so keep it right here, and then I'm gonna go, but don't eat any yet, okay, until I get back, okay? So don't eat any. Let me come back, okay? Be right back. All right, don't eat any. Did you eat any? No. no, you didn't? Okay, good job. Good girl. You, you're so smart. I love you. Yeah. Thank you for listening, okay? Give me a kiss. Besito. Besito. 
All right, here are your marshmallows, but hey, don't eat them yet, okay? Don't eat them yet, mama's gonna be right back. Wait till I get back, don't eat them, okay? Okay, don't eat them, I'll be right back. Did you eat them? You did it? Oh, good girl. You can have them now. That is by far the cruelest thing to do to kids or husbands. Don't do that, please. <laughs> There's no way I would have lasted that long. We, I was looking for the video. We tried that with our kiddos. It did not go well, needless to say. Uh, but you know, we're all tempted. No one's immune to being tempted. And you, you know, the enemy knows you. The enemy knows me. He's not going to waste his time tempting me and you with things that don't seem attractive to us. My struggles and my temptations are mine. You have your own, but we're all tempted in our own way. I've never once wanted to do drugs. There's never been anything inside of me that goes, man, that looks like fun. The enemy's not going to waste his time with that. But I, I am tempted to drink 12 Dr. Peppers a day, to lie, to live an unhealthy lifestyle, to not exercise. I'm tempted to put everyone and everything in front of my family so that I can feel better about myself. I'm tempted in many different ways. There's nothing wrong with being tempted. But today, what, we, what we're going to look at is what strategies can we learn from Matthew chapter 4 from Jesus that is going to help us? Because the enemy is going to tempt you. He's going to come at you. He knows exactly what you like, what you don't like. He knows when you're strong. He knows when you're weak. He knows when you're happy, when you're frustrated, when you're angry. And he's going to come in. And the enemy will wait for the most opportune time to deal the most absolute worst blow. You think so many times like it happened so many years ago and then all of a sudden it comes to light right now and you think, man, why? Because the enemy saw what happened and he just waited and he waited and he waited till it could have the worst impact on you and your family. The, the enemy is not kind. You see that, that the enemy offers us something and then he sits back, just like the, the kids with the candy. The enemy tempts us with this. And then he sits back and he waits and he watches for the destruction that's going to be caused. But there's good news. It says that in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted in every way. That you and I. Jesus was not tempted as God. Jesus was tempted as man. He was tempted in every way that you and I were tempted. That we have been tempted, that we are tempted, that we will be tempted. Tempted in every way, and yet he was without sin. So it is possible. 
The bar is not lowered because we live on this earth, because Jesus set the bar. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, it says, the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Verse 8, it says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, or told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and began to serve him. Before we get into the three testings, the three temptings, there's a couple of things that I want to point out. One, it says that in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was led by the Spirit, and he was tempted by the devil. James chapter 1.13 says that God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. This was God-ordained, but it was not God-inflicted. It's a... Major theological point. God ordained, but not God inflicted. He was led in the desert by the Spirit, but he was tempted by the devil. You see that God does not place a random pack of cigarettes on the ground as you're trying to give up smoking. He doesn't tempt you that way. That's the enemy. The, the, the Lord does not tempt you or test you by doing certain things in your life to see, ooh, let's see how this plays out. Let's see if Melody's really full of faith right now. Oh, let's see if Shelby's really loving the Lord right now. Let's see that. We're led by the Spirit, but we're tempted and tested by the devil. God is not the one that whispers in your ear, no one's looking. Jesus was led by the Spirit, but tempted by the devil. Last thing it said that in verse 2, it says, After he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the, the tempter approached him and said this. I think so many times we've heard this talked about, and you look, yeah, Jesus, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He was weak, and the enemy was prime and ready to attack. But can I tell you that at the end of 40 days of prayer and fasting, that Jesus was not weak. He might have been hungry, but he was not weak. If you think that he was weak at the end of fasting and prayer, then you know what you'll never do? Fast and pray. But Jesus was at the pinnacle of his strength because he had fasted and he had prayed. It does not make you weak, it makes you strong because it denies the flesh and it enlightens, makes alive the spirit. The reason that Jesus was able to say no is because he had the capacity 
because he fasted and he prayed. Fasting is the preparation to Jesus's victory. Prayer and fasting is our preparation to the victory. You want to begin to see yourself walk in power and authority. We talk in the, we sing the songs about walking in the resurrected life and the resurrection power. You want to begin to see victory in your life, begin to fast and begin to pray. That is where you will have the preparation for the victory. It, it, it's the pregame, it's the practice, it's all of those things, it's the strategizing. Because all of a sudden when you begin to fast and you begin to pray, your mind becomes clear and you begin to see things as the Lord sees them. Fasting and prayer are not supposed to be one-time things. They're supposed to be regular routines of the Christ follower's life. Like daily, we are to be in prayer. I would say weekly, we are to be fasting. Maybe it's a day a week. Maybe it's a meal a day. Maybe it's one meal for one week. And you just fast one meal. Hey, you know what? On Wednesday, I'm not going to do lunch. And, and people could say, really? That's all you can do? And you say, I'm going to fast one meal one day because that's what the Holy Spirit told me to do. And you want to begin to see victory in your life. You want to begin to walk in the power and the authority that he's given you. Then I promise you the way that it's done is through fasting and prayer. It does not make you weak. It strengthens you and it deepens your relationship with the Father. He might, Jesus might have been hungry, but he was not weak and he was not vulnerable. You see, Jesus was tempted in the same way. Satan tempts us in the same way. He is not creative. Satan cannot create a thing. He's been using the same tricks from the very beginning of time. With Adam and Eve, it says that Eve saw the, the fruit. For whatever reason, she said it looked good for food and it was beautiful to the eye. I, I was thinking, I was imagining a cow, like the beef or bacon. She's like, no, it was not that. It was a fruit. But she said that the enemy began to speak to her and she said that she saw that it was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eye, and then that, that it was for obtaining wisdom. We are tempted in the same way that Eve and Adam were tempted. Jesus, we're going to get into it, but he was tempted with bread. He was tempted with, hey, jump off and the angels will save you. He was tempted with the kingdoms of the world. In 2 Corinthians, it says that we are tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's the same way Eve was tempted. It was good for food, lust of the flesh. It was delightful to look at, lust of the eyes. And it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, the pride of life. He has been, been tempting us in the same way every time. It's not rocket science. It's not like, oh, I don't know what he's going to throw at me. It's very plain and simple. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The devil tempts with food, pleasure, and power. And that's all it takes for us to go away, to, to just stray from the word of God. I remember Jacob and Esau, Esau gave away his blessing for a bowl of stew. The enemy tempts with food. The enemy tempts with pleasure. Why, why did Samson finally give in to Delilah? The pleasure to be married to her. She was upset that he kept lying to her. And he was tempted to, to finally tell the truth about his hair. 
And it was for the, the pleasure. Why, why, why are we tempted? Why do we give in? To boast, to be prideful. Verses three and four, it says, the tempter approached him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It says that the devil will test our patience and our obedience. This seems harmless that Jesus had fasted for 40 days. He was hungry. We assume that the fast was over. 40 days is a good fast. Turning stones into bread, what's wrong with that? But at the heart of this temptation, the, quest, the devil questions whether God is good and whether he will provide for his son. The devil will tempt you to get legitimate things in an illegitimate way. What is wrong with turning stones into bread? That's not what the Lord had for Jesus. The enemy will tempt you with patience and obedience. He will try to get you to get legitimate things in illegitimate ways. When I was like probably 12 or 13, it's, it's always fun having your dad in service every week, you know. There's so many things in my past, and I'm not real sure. I, I know he knows of this one, but maybe the totality of it, we'll see, probably. Uh, I, I put a lot of the blame on my cousin. But when I was, I was 12 or 13, he was a year younger than me, we, we had mowed my great-grandma's yard right there in Strawn where we still live. She lived across from the tennis courts. And we mowed her yard for her. And I think it was for the grand sum of maybe like five bucks. I mean, and it, she was serious about holding on to that money when it came time to pay. I was like, hey, grandma, come on now. You know, it was like five bucks. But man, me and my cousin Joseph, who is a cop now, so he passed even, <laughs> even with this on his record. It did not really on his record. But we were, we were 12, 13. She, she had paid us $5. We had finished, but she had left. And she left it on her table. But me and Joseph, we wanted to go play pool at this, at this place in Strawn and it, it, it was right there. Doors unlocked. It's strong. No big deal. It's our grandma. It's our money. We mowed. We finished the yard. We did what we were supposed to do. But she wasn't there. So Joseph went in, and this is the truth, all right? Joseph went into the house. I stood guard like I had to watch. She was like 80 years old. She's not sneaking up on anybody, right? But for some reason, that felt better because I, I, didn't, I didn't touch it, right? But Joseph went in and took the money. Literally, I think it's four bucks. Want go play pool, have, have a great time. Have you ever noticed how what seems as such a small thing can turn into a really, really big thing really quickly? I can remember, Grandma, he, she never forgot a thing her entire life, up until the day she died. She remembered everything. And man, I can remember, obviously there's no cell phones, but... You, you come up, we got home from, from playing pool, and man, it was like somehow it had made the rounds in our family that Grandma Heath was missing $4. She knew she had the $4, and they were right there on her table. And I mean, me and Joseph are like, man, this is spiraled out of control because now she's told my, my grandpa, and now she's told, now grandpa is told my dad and my uncle, and all, it's like, this is spiraled out. Dad's had to leave work early because she's missing $4. I'm like, and at first me and Joseph are like, I don't know, what do you think? Do we say anything? 
And of course, you know, we're both like, no, it's $4. It's our money. No big deal. If she offers to pay us again, we'll say, hey, we're fine. Don't worry about it. We're, the, we're that good of guys, you know? And I can remember, I think, I'm not real sure how it all came out. I'm pretty sure Joseph took the brunt of it. He might not have even said I was there. Uh, but I can just remember how we were so tempted. But the enemy will tempt you to get legitimate things in illegitimate ways. We have to allow God to work and trust that he knows what he's doing. When we make it happen on our own, have you noticed that we always settle for less than what he has intended for us? We, instead, of, instead of just waiting and trusting on him, Jesus was hungry and he waited. Because I love what it says in verse 11. It says, then the devil left him and the angels came and began to serve him. What is better, bread or for the angels to come and serve you? But so many times we get so sick and tired of waiting on God. Like, man, if God will just get out of the way, I can make this happen. And every time we try to get legitimate things in illegitimate ways, it's always less than what the Lord has for us. Verses five and through seven, it says, then the devil took him to the holy city. He had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give his angels orders concerning you and they will support you with their hands and that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus told them, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. You see, the devil will test our assurance of his love. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Hey, the word, I mean, Satan quotes the word of God. Hey, hey, remember in that Psalm 91, right? Remember he said that he'll give his angels charge over you. You won't strike your foot. If you're the son of God, then do that. Do you notice that that's, there's something significant about that because if you look at the, the last verse in chapter three, when Jesus is baptized, it says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son and with whom I'm well pleased. So what does the enemy attack him with? Oh, hey, so you're the son of God, right? Isn't that what he just said to you? Like 41 days ago, you were right before all this fasting nonsense. <laughs> Satan comes right back to exactly what the, what the Lord said, just like he did with Eve. And he said, hey, if, if you are the son of man, at the heart of this temptation, the devil questions whether you believe that God loves you and cares for you. We might not use these exact words, but we still question him. Oh God, if you love me, will you help me get through this test, get through this meeting, help me with these people? If you're real, God then blah, 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 blah. If you love me, then this Because at the heart of this temptation, the enemy is always trying to get us to question whether we are actually loved by God. Do you really think that God loves you, that he cares for you, that he will protect you, that he will watch over you? That is at the heart of this temptation. Those thoughts are the devil lying to you that God doesn't love you, doesn't know you, doesn't care about you. 
The enemy has no new temptations. He's always trying to come at us. Lust of the flesh, right? Hey, if this bread, if, turn these stones into bread. Lust of the eyes, like, oh, hey, God doesn't see you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. If you are the son of man. Oh, hey, if you are his, then, then why is this happening to you? That's the lie of the enemy. Why are you struggling with this if you are loved by God? Number eight, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And the devil said to him, I will give you all these things if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil will test our belief of how big God is and who is worthy of our worship. The devil offers Jesus the kingdoms of the world in exchange for his worship. At the heart of this temptation, the devil questions whether you and I believe that he is worthy of our worship. But the truth of the matter is that Satan has nothing to offer us. He says, hey, you see the kingdoms of the world? I'll give it to you in all their splendor. Satan has nothing to offer us. Anything that this world has pales in comparison. Satan will tempt you and I, you and me with like money, promotion, cars, 401ks, He'll tempt you and he'll tempt me with the pleasures of this world, a lake house and a boat. He'll tempt us with all of this thing. But the truth of the matter is that, that this world has nothing to offer me. You, you, you think that, that having a lake house is gonna make you happier? It pales in comparison to spending eternity before Jesus, standing before him and him saying to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You, you, you think that having a big 401k is going to make you happy? Nothing compares to the peace that he has to offer, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Satan has nothing to offer us. This world, it says that we have been crucified to this world, to the, the, to the desires of this world, and it's dead to me. What good is it to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? What, what good is it to have all of the things that the world offers and yet spend eternity separated from him? If we're going to overcome temptation, if we're going to overcome the enemy, if you're taking notes, there's three things and we're ending with this and they're quick. Number one, it says be prepared. How, how are we prepared to fight and resist temptation? One, we have to remember who we are in Christ. We are a son. We are a daughter of the Most High. In Matthew three seventeen, we quoted it earlier, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. The first two temptations that the enemy comes at Jesus with, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. If we are going to be prepared to overcome temptation, if we are going to be prepared to walk in victory, to walk in the resurrection power, then we have to remember that we are a son and a daughter, that it says that we were once aliens and foreigners. 
but that we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we are sons and daughters, that we've been adopted into a family. And not only that, but if we are sons and daughters, then we are co-heirs with Christ. If we're going to resist temptation, then that means I don't need to go out and get anything on my own because the Lord will bring it to me. I'm not... I'm not a big prepper. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not that guy. But I, but I see where Elijah can have, the Lord can have, what is it, a crow? A raven? Bring him food. He's fine. Do I trust that God is good. If I'm going to be prepared, then I have to know that he loves me and he cares for me. That, that I can go out and do all the things on my own. But if I don't truly believe that I'm a son, then I'll never resist temptation the way that he needs me to. Fasting and prayer, not a one-time thing. It's not a resurrection week thing that we do, but it should be a lifestyle of the Christ follower. I can't tell you how much you should pray. But if you're not seeing victory in your life, if you're continually overcoming, being overcome by sin and temptation, then you're not praying enough. It's plain and simple. There's no secret to overcoming temptation. It's not self-control. It's not willpower. It's just by the power of prayer. Continuing to deny yourself, to continuing to say that you're not worthy and to allow him to build you up. Number two, it's to be filled. Number one, it's be, be prepared. Number two, it's to be filled. It says that after Jesus was baptized, he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. You will never be able to resist temptation by your own willpower, by somebody punching you to get you to stop. It will last for a while, but you'll start to avoid that person. It's only by being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables you to live a life that's pleasing to the Father. When the Holy Spirit comes and indwells believers, then there's a, there's a process where, we become, where the Holy Spirit begins to work on us and we begin to be made like Christ. We're made in the image of Christ, but what the Holy Spirit does is he begins to reveal that we are already made in the image of Christ. He begins to work on us, to teach us, to lead us and guide us. There's not just the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's not just the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but there's also the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and it says that he convicts us of unrighteousness. If you want to, if you want to resist temptation, then you need the Holy Spirit to come in and convict you. Hey, you know what? You're opening up a door right there. You're looking at that. You're opening up a door to your family. You think you're going to be able to withstand temptation by opening up that? To be filled with the Holy Spirit. And number three, it's to be armed with Scripture. Be prepared, be filled, and be armed with Scripture. Jesus resisted the enemy with the Word of God. He didn't have any self-help. He didn't have any new things didn't reinvent the wheel. He just quoted the word of God. I had a conversation that this family, 
they, they left our, our gathering. They went back to Northside. They're blessed, and they were at Northside for 15 years. They came here because the Lord told them to, and then they, they went back because the Lord told them to, and were completely blessed by, by them and their family for the short time that they were here. But she was telling me a testimony. She said, you know, when you first talked about that scripture recitation, she goes, I was offended. Because you preach grace, but that sounded like religion. I said, I know. I was offended too when our pastor told us about it. But she said, I, I went and I was visiting a lady in a nursing home. She was 97 years old. Three years ago, she became blind. And she said, in that moment, the Lord said, wouldn't it be good to know the word of God now? And she said she broke down and she says, I wanted to call and apologize to you for being offended at you. Because it's not law, it's not religion. If you want to be armed against temptation, be armed with the word of God. Maybe, maybe that is too much religion for you to, to memorize a passage, a chapter, and you, you quote and there's accountability. But it will never be wrong for you to memorize the scripture. Because there will be times where you're tempted and you won't have your phone and you won't have your Bible. But the enemy is going to come at you. And you're going to have to know right away. Jesus was in the wilderness. In the, in the wilderness. Without his cell phone, without his, his tablets. And he defeated the enemy with simple passages. The word does say that it is part of our armor, that it's the sword of the spirit. Right? We, he says, put on the armor of God. And he says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So that can't be a bad thing. If you want to begin to walk in the resurrection power, if you want to begin to walk in victory and not be overcome by temptation, have scripture memorized. When, when all of a sudden, whatever issue you deal with, whether, whether it, it, it's anger or lust or lying, a simple Google search will tell you the passages for those things. Begin to write them down and begin to just pray through them and st study them. Begin to memorize it because when the Lord comes to you or when the, when the devil comes to tempt you, the word of God will make him flee quicker than anything else. It's picnic time, and I'm looking forward to it. But can we, can we say a quick prayer for the people that are to your left? Let's make sure I do this right. Can you just, in a non-weird and creepy way, can you put your, your hand to the person on the person to the left of you? If you're on the end, don't worry. We're going to go to the right, all right? So if you're on that left, don't worry. You don't, you don't get to just receive, right? We're going to give today to so I want you to begin to pray for that person on, on the left, that they would walk in freedom, that they would see the lies of the enemy, the schemes and the plans of the enemy. So just begin to pray over them right now. Father, we pray to the people on our left, Father, that they would walk in freedom and wholeness, that they would not be blind to the schemes of the enemy. Don't use up all your good prayers because we're going to the right. You ready? I don't want the right to feel rejected here. So pray for the person on your right. Father, we pray right now that they would walk in the resurrection power. Father, we pray right now that they would not be blind to the schemes of the enemy. 
Father, we pray right now that they would walk in the knowledge that they are a son, a daughter, that they, that they, have, that they are a co-heir with Christ, that they have the power to rule and reign. And for sake of time, I want you to begin to pray for the person behind you and the person in front of you. If you're on the front row, that means you get to pray for me and I desperately need it. Father, we just pray for the people behind us and in front of us. Father, I pray that you would put a desire in them to know your word. That you would arm them with the scriptures. That they would give life where the enemy tries to bring death. Father, I pray over them that they would be patient, that they would wait on your timing, that they would not try to make things happen on their own. Father, that they would be blessed this week. So Father, we pray over everybody in this room. We pray for the people that are, and the kiddos and the, the workers and everybody that's helping get the picnic stuff ready for us. Father, we pray over them today that they would be blessed Father, I pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Father, that, that the striving would cease and that they would just rest in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would fill them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Father, that their cup would overflow. Father, not for their benefit, but for your benefit, for your kingdom, for your glory. We love you, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.